This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Marking Out, episode number 561. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. Dave will be here a bit later on. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at DavidPTDPT. Uh, Chris? Chris Sween Dog on Twitter, and collectively you can follow us at Marking Out on Twitter and Marking Out 11 on Instagram, which happens to be the same for YouTube. You can check us out, facebook.com slash Marking Out. Go to manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. We're on Pro Wrestling Tees. You can check us out at prowrestlingtees.com slash Marking Out. We appreciate that. And ultimately, you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, which you could subscribe to, Spotify Podcasts, you could subscribe or follow. I'm not really sure what that button is. Uh, and you could listen to us on MarkingOut.com and a bunch of other platforms for your podcasts. Like I said, I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am doing awesome as always. This episode uh, might be a little bit different. I am going on vacation, so as of this recording, I am not going to be in New York, so there won't be any SmackDown talk, but Halloween was this past week, so I hope everybody enjoyed that, I hope everyone was safe, and that they got a lot of candy if you went trick-or-treating with, uh, I assume your children, I don't think people uh, listening to this are trick-or-treating, but... Because it was Halloween, I had to watch Hocus Pocus, and I'm excited. They announced more cast to be joining for the sequel, so I'm pumped for fall 2022. I think it will be interesting to see how the Sanderson sisters come back, considering they all turned to dust. So that should be fun, but outside of that, I didn't really do much as of this recording, so... I'll definitely discuss my week next week. And I'm just going to move over to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Which kicked off with Becky Lynch picking up the victory over Bianca Belair to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Both Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch spoke backstage beforehand. I thought it was pretty good from Bianca Belair. Um... And I guess Becky Lynch too, but I don't think it was necessary at all. And as far as the match goes, I thought it was a good match. It really showcased the strength of Bianca Belair. I liked when Bianca Belair grabbed Becky Lynch, who was on the ring apron, and dragged her through the second rope. I thought she was going to be going for like a German suplex, but she went for like a spinning belly-to-back slam sort of move, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I thought the the stalling suplex off the ring apron was really nice. Becky Lynch using what I think might have been a modified Venus de Milo, which is Deanna Perrazzo's arm breaker finisher. But in the end, Bianca Belair went for the kiss of death. 
Becky Lynch held on to the corner and she ripped off the top turnbuckle pad and then sent Bianca Belair into it, rolled her up, grabbed the tights. Later on, Becky Lynch was interviewed about how she won the match and she said she just used what she got. She didn't cheat or whatever. And she wants to face somebody new. And Liv Morgan showed up and Becky Lynch walked off. So I guess I'm going to be looking forward to seeing more Liv Morgan on television. I don't think she'll be the one to win the Raw Women's Championship. But I would, uh, of course, be all for that. I'm a big fan of Liv Morgan. After that, though, we saw Austin Theory pick up the victory over Rey Mysterio via disqualification. This match also had a backstage interview beforehand. And I thought it was a decent match. Austin Theory controlled most of it. The torture rack backbreaker from Austin Theory I thought was really nice. But at one point, he was carrying Rey Mysterio outside the ring. And Dominic jerked Rey Mysterio's feet around. And Rey was able to hit a DDT off of that. And to me, that should have been a disqualification. Because Dominic got involved causing harm to Austin Theory. But then later on, Rey Mysterio sets up for 6-1-9. And because Austin Theory drop-kicked Dominic outside the ring, Dominic slaps him when he's hung up on the rope. To me, there was a 0% chance the referee was able to see it. But he called for the bell because he saw the slap. That, to me, doesn't make sense. That I, The other spot should have been the DQ. There was no way the referee saw that. After that, Seth Rollins came out and bragged about winning the contract last week. In that ladder match, Big E came out, and Rollins just told him that he's not on his level. Rollins made fun of King Woods. He made fun of Kofi Mania. And then Big E stood up for both of them. And laid down the challenge to Seth Rollins to have that title match on Monday Night Raw. And Seth Rollins pulled the crowd. They obviously cheered. And then in typical heel fashion, he said absolutely not. He's not 100% due to what happened last week. And then Kevin Owens came out and said a lot of people claim to be the face of Monday Night Raw. And he could be the face of Monday Night Raw. And then because Seth Rollins wasn't going to... He challenged Big E for their first ever one-on-one match. And then Big E accepted, and that was signed for the main event of Monday Night Raw. Matchup next, uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley lose to Carmella and Queen Zelina. This spawned from a backstage segment where Zelina Vega and Carmella made fun of the champions and the other women of that roster. To me, the champion shouldn't lose, and Zelina Vega shouldn't lose. I also don't think Zelina Vega should be in a tag team. So needless to say, I didn't like this match. I didn't enjoy it. And it seems like they're going to be maybe building them up to be tag team champions, perhaps. But I don't like these randomly thrown together pairings. There's too many. They fired their, their women's tag division. Or they split up their their women's tag division. It doesn't make sense. After that, we saw Chad Gable pitch Big E joining the Alpha Academy. 
which Big E turned him down, and then Chad Gable warned him, which led into his match where Finn Balor picked up the victory over Chad Gable, and I was pumped when I saw that they were advertising this match, and I'm glad that we got to see an actual match out of this. It was really good. I liked when Chad Gable stepped back when Finn Balor went for that shotgun dropkick. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that before to like not get hit by the dropkick. Chad Gable really working the uh, the ankle of Finn Balor. Gable superplexed him. And Finn Balor ends up grabbing his legs to to pin. I thought they worked really well together. And I want more matches like this. I want Chad Gable to be featured more. He's been proven in the past that he could wrestle. And be very entertaining in the ring. So hopefully we get to see more Chad Gable. Uh, after that we saw another Veer video package. Now he's being known as Veer Mahan. So that's very interesting that he gained a last name. It's very rare, I think, in WWE. But hopefully, like I said the other week, we see big things from Veer. He's the million-dollar arm. So I'm looking forward to that. Dirty Dogs picked up the victory over the Street Profits after that. We saw RK Bro, or heard RK Bro, on commentary. And... Not only do they have a really awesome new theme song, they interrupted the Dirty Dogs' entrance with that. And it left fans chanting for RK-Bro over the match. Orton, on commentary, puts Chad Gable over, which I thought was pretty cool. And I really enjoyed both of them on commentary. And I enjoyed the match as well. Amos came out. Towards the end, which was kind of a distraction for Montez Ford. I don't really see how it should have been or could have been, but Montez Ford was distracted nonetheless. And that led to the end of the match. Afterwards, Amos took the Street Profits out. Riddle went to make the save, but he also got beat down. And Randy Orr was pissed off. And he finally decides, he's like, I'm going to go after him, basically. Goes, drops the commentary headset, runs after Amos, and they cut away to look back at Damian Priest versus T-Bar. I was like, what the hell's going on here? It was as if they like live edited Monday Night Raw. It was bizarre. It made no sense. Are we going to see footage of what happened with Randy Orton and Amos next week or something like that? It made no sense. But after that, it led to a backstage segment, Damian Priest stating that what we saw last week was always inside of him, but he just doesn't bring it out often because when he does, people get hurt. And he put T-Bar over, and it goes into their match. Damian Priest picked up the victory over T-Bar in a no-disqualification match. And I'm happy that we got to see more of this from last week. I'm always happy to see T-Bar actually wrestling. They beat the absolute hell out of each other in this. Damian Priest chokeslammed T-Bar off of the apron through a table, which I legit thought we were going to see him hit a reckoning through the table, given the fact that Cody Rhodes did it on Dynamite the other week to Malachi Black. So thankfully it wasn't that spot. But 
Damian Priest did end with a reckoning. And this is one of those matches that I could watch them wrestle over and over again. If they're going to actually give them time to, to wrestle, I'm I'm here to watch them wrestle over and over again. I said this in the past. We saw it in, on, on NXT. These two were fantastic together. After that, though, Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz came out. And Cruz basically vowed to just become the next U.S. champion. So I don't know how much more of Priest versus T-Bar we'll get. but Because it, it seems like we're going to be seeing Priest versus Apollo Crews coming up. So that should be uh, something to look forward to. Backstage, we saw John Morrison meditating again. And Reggie showed up and they chatted a little bit. Then the 24-7 people came and chased Reggie. But Reggie escaped, and then John Morrison, I think, kind of tried to guide R-Truth and Akira Tozawa. And Drake Maverick showed up, and R-Truth said that he might have to just give up. And Akira Tozawa agreed. So, where this is going, I have no idea. I wish we would see more matches with them like actual 24-7 championship matches and actual matches with R-Truth and Tozawa and Reggie. So after that, though, Seth Rollins, we saw him approach Kevin Owens before the main event to try to make a deal with him. And Seth Rollins offered Kevin Owens his help in the match. And when Rollins faces Big E, Kevin Owens would scratch his back. And then Kevin Owens would get the first shot at the WWE Championship. And Kevin Owens warned him to not go out there. Seth Rollins made fun of Kevin Owens just keep fighting, getting him nowhere. Um, and then the main event happened. Big E picked up the victory over Kevin Owens. Enjoyable match. Seth Rollins did make his way out. And eventually he did hit Big E behind the referee's back. Kevin Owens saw it, went for the pin. Big E kicks out, reverses the pin, and picked up that victory. After the match, they replayed the footage, and Big E saw Kevin Owens see Seth Rollins. So he questioned Kevin about it. And Kevin was like, I I didn't see it. We collided heads. I'm goofed in the head right now. Kevin apologized over and over again, blamed Seth Rollins, then pitched him versus Seth Rollins for next week on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens goes back to apologizing to Big E, and Big E scoops him up, hits that big ending. That, I thought, was a very interesting way to end Monday Night Raw. But that was Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT... It kicked off with Mandy Rose opening the show. Speaking about defeating Raquel Gonzalez last week at Halloween Havoc. Um, She was saying how she's the best person to hold the championship ever in NXT history. Kind of had me hoping that Paige would come out, but I guess that's kind of far-fetched. But she brought up Gigi Dolan and JC Jane winning the tag team titles. And it cut to backstage where they were attacking Zoe Stark. And Io Shirai came out and challenged Mandy Rose to a match right then and there. Mandy played it like she was going to accept the match. Asked for a referee. 
and then knocked Io Shirai down and kept saying that she wasn't scared of her. Io eventually had a quick little comeback. Uh, toxic attraction round down and attacked her. And Io almost got the upper hand again, but they took her out. And ultimately, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter made the save. And that's going to be a uh, six-woman tag match next week. Backstage, Toxic Attraction walked into Dakota Kai. And Dakota said that she didn't do what she did to help Mandy Rose. She did it to end Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel Gonzalez wasn't on NXT this week. But Dakota Kai picked up the victory over Cora Jade after that. Jade has had some... Fluke victories as of late, so I'm glad she didn't get one over on Dakota Kai. I thought it was a decent match. Dakota Kai attacked Cora Jade afterwards. She, I guess, kind of snapped, perhaps. She dragged her by the hair, which did not look like it was pleasant. And then put a table over Cora Jade's face got up on the ring apron as if she was going to jump off onto the table and then had like some sort of tick gimmick and reconsidered and walked off. So it's interesting. There's definitely a new version of Dakota Kai here. She had her eye painted, uh, which kind of reminded me of Mojo, but not like at all like Mojo. And I feel bad even saying that, but after that, we saw MSK speaking outside, uh, sitting on a, a bench or something, talking about losing the tag team titles. And I think they're they're paying someone money to help them out. Something like a Wizard of Oz. They got a the person who came up with the MSK name or something. I didn't quite understand it, but... I assume we're going to be seeing somebody that's going to guide MSK in the future. After that, Zion Quinn defeated Robert Stone in one of the weirdest segments in NXT history. Robert Stone challenged him after what happened last week at the Halloween party. And it starts out where Robert Stone's cutting a promo on Zion Quinn. He then goes and performs Frankie Monet's theme song, which is funny because when he said this one's for you, Frank, I thought for sure, (laughs) I thought for sure he was going to start singing like my way or something, but he sang that Zion Quinn tried to not sing a song and Stone pushed him into it and he ended up singing Shawn Michaels theme song. They did some dirty dancing stuff, which Overall, it was pretty goofy. There were bits and pieces that were funny, but this was a bizarre segment. When it came to the actual match, it was over pretty quickly, as you would have expected. And then afterwards, Electra Lopez walked into Zion Quinn, and it seemed like she's interested in doing something with him. I don't know if it's going to be like a a romantic sort of aspect that they're going to introduce or a business relationship, perhaps, where she uh, entices him to join Legato del Fantasma, perhaps. I don't know. It was a a bizarre episode. (laughs) Joe Gacy had a video where he basically claimed that Harland isn't a monster and together they're going to change the world. I still don't really know what to to expect from this gimmick or 
take away from it. But after that, Legato Del Fantasma picked up the victory over Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. I thought it was a decent match, and I thought for sure Legato was going to lose. But Electra Lopez distracted Kyle O'Reilly at one point. Legato took advantage of that. Later on, Joaquin Wilde hit a really nice diving senton from the top rope. But ultimately, in the end, a little miscue between Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly led to the end of that match. Although Von Wagner's foot was on the rope and the referee just didn't see it. So I like how the ending played out, but I don't know how I'll fully feel until next week when we see something further. Um, we saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams interviewed, which got cut off by Andre Chase, who said that he has their backs because they had his back last week inside that haunted house. Mackenzie Mitchell then asked him about being a coward, and he got heated, went to the ring to, to challenge anybody, and I popped during that segment because he spiked the microphone because it wasn't working. But Braun Breaker answered the challenge. And I was not expecting Braun Breaker to answer that challenge, but I'm happy he did. Breaker obviously picking up that victory over Andre Chase and pretty much went how you'd expect it to. Uh, he cut a promo afterwards about Halloween Havoc and put Champa over. And he also said that he's pissed off that he lost. And he'll get another shot and he's going to beat Tommaso Champa for that title. Definitely looking forward to that happening. Whenever it happens, I don't know. Perhaps December, I don't know. Uh, after that, Imperium was interviewed about winning the tag team titles last week. And Toxic Attraction approached them. Put them over and told them to watch their match next week. Uh, weird. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to start dating now on screen. This is like the Electra Lopez thing. I have no idea. It's so weird. Next segment we saw was lashing out with Lash Legend, where Tony D'Angelo was the guest. Lash surprised him with Mark, the producer, who went missing. And then Tony spoke about Mark's family and his house, all in depth, as if he knew everything about the producer. And told him to tell Lash that everything was fine. For me, this segment, I think I would have liked it more had it been like a webisode or something. Like not on NXT television. Because I liked where this was going, but overall, I don't think it's necessary for NXT TV. I understand that it builds a character, but I would have preferred for this to be like an online exclusive or something. But then again, nobody was going to watch that. So it's unfortunate, but Tony D'Angelo kind of reminded me of uh, all those like comedy style uh, mobster movies that you'd see. After that, Solo Sokoa had his first match on NXT TV, picking up the victory over Jeet Rama, also I believe having his first NXT TV match. Jeet Rama was super impressive when he faced AJ Styles at the WWE Superstar Spectacle. 
back in January. But this match was over pretty quickly. I don't know how many moves Jeet Rama, if any, got in. Sokoa won. He hit a running hip attack to the corner. One with the Uso splash. I like this character. I want to see more Jeet Rama, though. 100% more, because, like I said, he was very impressive against AJ Styles. And if you have not seen that, it might be on Peacock. I assume it's on Peacock. Check it out. After that, we saw a video package of or video, whatever you would say, of Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs grilling up some steaks, playing horseshoes, cornhole, talking about how they like to beat people up. So that was just a way to get them on TV. Boa picked up the victory over Grayson Waller with LA Knight on commentary, who then got off commentary to distract Grayson Waller. Boa was able to use that and kick him and pick up that victory. This match, to me, is is hard to describe how I felt about it. Because, like, it was like a fast-paced match, but I can't find a word to describe. Like, I don't want to say sloppy, but it was, like, maybe a little too much all over the place. But not even, I don't know how to describe it. It was weird. Really weird. But later on, we saw Boa go to the throne that Mei Ying normally sits on. And she was gone. I don't know if that's going to be like the end of Tian Sha as a whole. Or what's the deal with them? Xia Li is on SmackDown now. So, we'll see. But throughout the night, we saw Duke's poker room with Cameron Grimes in there. Grimes had absolutely no clue what he was doing, but he did extremely well. Everyone at the end ends up leaving with Cameron Grimes and celebrating because he won. I don't get the poker room at all. Swinger's Palace was entertaining. Parts of... Duke's poker room was entertaining, but it just makes no sense. After that, Kaylee Ray backstage or somewhere broke a bunch of stuff after spray painting KLR on the wall and said that she's coming next week. Who she shows up for, who I couldn't even take a guess, but I'm looking forward to it. Big fan of Kaylee Ray. After that, Tommaso Ciampa came out and spoke about the shift of champions that took place at Halloween Havoc. He called himself the God of NXT, which led to Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams to come out. Carmelo Hayes said that he's the leader of the new school, the A champion, and Ciampa takes a backseat to him. Ciampa then tells him to step up and prove himself. He didn't. Champa takes Williams down and just stared Carmelo Hayes down. He goes out of the ring. Gargano's music plays and they have a little stare down kind of, which I, that popped me. I like Gargano teasing, hitting Champa from behind. But Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams ended up picking up the victory over Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Before the match, I liked Johnny Gargano trying to do rock, paper, scissor with 
Dexter Loomis to see who starts, and Loomis just gave him a thumbs up. I also like Dexter Loomis jumping off the top rope to hit an uppercut. It, like, made no sense that Loomis would jump off the top rope just to hit an uppercut, but at the same time, it makes all the sense that Dexter Loomis would do that. It was pretty unique. I liked Johnny Gargano doing some Loomis gimmicks in this, but overall, I thought it was a fun match. Dexter Loomis had Carmelo Hayes locked in silence, and behind the referee's back, Trick Williams hit Dexter Loomis with a shoe. That broke that, and Carmelo Hayes then hits a huge leg drop to the back of Dexter Loomis when he was standing up to get that victory. Like I said before, this was a very weird episode of NXT. But uh, that is NXT. I won't be doing NXT UK or SmackDown this week. So right now, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you'll hear a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. And we'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium. I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS that's one for this uh, read at manscaped.com your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Market Out episode 561. I am going to start this with AEW Rampage from last week, kicking off with Brian Danielson, picking up the victory over Eddie Kingston to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Again, I'm not sure if Eddie Kingston was supposed to be in this due to Lance Archer. That injury in their match, but still, man, this was a really good match. Obviously, the outcome was no way that I think Eddie Kingston was winning that. But this was a very hard-hitting match. 
Brian Danielson eventually choked Eddie Kingston out. As Eddie Kingston was flipping him off, he did not tap out. He passed out. The ref calls for the bell. We go backstage and see CM Punk, who was advertised to speak with Tony Schiavone. While doing so, Eddie Kingston came storming through the backstage area because he was pissed off that they rang for the bell. He never tapped out. And this leads to him getting getting into CM Punk's face, which will lead to a match. I hate this. Because they took somebody who's been super over as babyface as of late, randomly turn him heel to face CM Punk. Whether or not he goes back to being like a normal face that he has been, I don't know. But it seems like AEW legitimately just has nothing for CM Punk to do. They just turned Bobby Fish heel after coming in super over with the fans. Just for him to face CM Punk. I thought the end of this segment was goofy as well. After that, Dante Martin picked up the victory over Matt Seidel, which was their third match. Uh, Matt Seidel winning two of the the first two matches, I should say. And Dante Martin got his first victory over Seidel. So that would maybe show that what Leo Rush has been teaching him is working. But this was another really good match. Dante Martin hit a really nice springboard drop kick at one point. The counter to the roundhouse kick that um, Matt Seidel did, I thought was really nice. Dante Martin ends this with the double jump springboard moonsault that he normally ends matches with. He's just an incredible talent. And I know I don't really like seeing all these repeat matches, but I wouldn't mind seeing them go again. And again and again, because it was great. Main event saw Britt Baker picking up the victory over Abaddon in a no-DQ trick-or-treat match. Jamie Hayter and Rebel had their faces painted up like zombies. They were acting like zombies as well. Um, I think the... Not I think. I know the spots that looked like it hurt the most were certainly the swinging neck breaker. From Britt Baker off the apron on top of a table that did not break. And then she went to go break the table. Suplexed Abaddon onto it. Didn't break. That had to suck. Uh, Abaddon brought some thumbtacks into this match. Which Britt Baker stopped her from hitting. And he moves on at first. But then runs into a rock bottom. Onto the thumbtacks. Jamie Hayter gave Britt Baker a chair and she hit a curb stomp to Abaddon while her neck was in the chair and she basically no-sold it, ripped the chair right off her neck, got back into the match. Britt Baker puts thumbtacks into Abaddon's mouth and super kicks her, goes for lockjaw and gets bit. And Rebel ends up getting up on the apron. Jamie Hayter gets involved. Abaddon... Bites Rebel's neck. So she started to gush blood from her neck. And then Britt Baker won with a quick roll-up. Abaddon had her neck crushed with a chair. It had zero effect on her. And she lost to a roll-up. That was Rampage. Gonna kick it over to Dave for some AEW Dynamite. Thanks for kicking that over to me, Brandon. It is time for AEW Dynamite. 
AEW Dynamite kicked off with Kenny Omega picking up a victory over Allen Five Angles. And this was a hard-hitting match back and forth. I was actually really surprised with how much offense Angles got in this. But at the end of it, Kenny Omega did get the victory. Kenny Omega was actually about to pursue further damage Angles with a chair. But luckily, Adam Hangman Page was uh, was able to make the save coming on out there. After this... And this was a great way to kick it off, especially with Paige telling Omega how he forgot his title belt, and he warns the champ to hold on to that title. But next up, you had Malachi Black. Malachi Black, he cut a promo talking about the assassination of Julius Caesar, and yeah, um, it was it was interesting to some people, not really me. But next up, you had CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk had a real legit, um, I guess, a, a public service announcement. Uh, he really spoke about what was taking place with um, everything with John Moxley, uh, unfortunately. And he pretty much told that he, everyone that was listening to, hey, if you are in this sort of a situation, please seek help. Um, and I think, I think that... Having somebody vocal in that sort of a manner was great. I think that it's great that they are so open and vocal about what's taking place with John Moxley, um, and because obviously, if they're not, if they don't address it, then it's going to become one of those, well, what about the storyline kind of a thing. So I'm actually happy that they are addressing it so directly. And also spinning into something like this where it's encouraging people to, hey, it's okay to to ask for help. And we always encourage that. If you if anybody listening to this needs help, please reach out to uh, to anybody for that help. Don't just remain quiet and try to do the battle on your own. You're not alone. But after that, he turned his attention over to Eddie Kingston. And following all of this, though, it went into Miro cutting a promo. It was a promo, you know, and it was Miro. But after this, we had some all... uh, We had Adam Cole and the Young Bucks talking to Alex Marvez about their loss backstage and about how their loss to the Dark Order was a total fluke. But... That being said, we had a brawl. And the brawl which the Lucasaurus with the entire Jurassic Park party, whatever it is, they battled. And they went out towards the crowd. And then after that, you had it broken up. But it led into Samurai Del Sol making his AEW debut. Samurai Del Sol and Aerostar, unfortunately, losing to FTR for the AAA World Tag Team Championship. I am really happy to see Samurai Del Sol in AEW. Uh, he is a wrestler that all of us on the podcast have been following for a very long time. Um, back when he was wrestling on Dragon Gate, for example. And we still want to see him versus Rey Mysterio so bad. So 
hey, AEW, Rey Mysterio, let's come together. Let's do this. Let's make this a, a little match. Go ahead. Swipe right. It's okay. Toss this matchup together. After this, we had some more promos. We had Chris Jericho in the inner circle in the ring talking about everything taking place uh, taking place with American Top Team leading up into full gear. Um, the big thing to take away from this was Paige Van Zandt uh, cutting a nice little promo about the inner circle. But after this, we had a matchup. We had Jamie Hayter. Take on and pick up a victory over Anna Jay. Um, Anna Jay, I think, has a bright future. Um, this match was awesome. It was actually the first round matchup for the AEW TBS Championship Tournament. And Jamie Hayter picking up the victory to advance. You had MJF going to the mic and calling out Darby Allen. Darby Allen was in the ring. You had them have a little spat back and forth. MJF was ready to bounce out of there. He was like, see you later. I'm too good for this. Only to be stopped at the stage by Sting. He got confronted. He went back down to the ring. MJF then ended up brawling with Darby Allen. Sting and a bunch of masked men ended up brawling. Everybody was brawling. They were brawling to the left. They were brawling to the right. They were brawling all over the place. And then it ended up leading all the way up to full gear. Next up, you had Andrade El Idolo versus Cody Rhodes. And, hey, Andrade picking up the victory with that amazing DDT, which I am a huge fan of. I think that that DDT is incredible. But Andrade picking up the victory. You had Johnny Silver cutting a promo in the ring just to lead up to their match of Johnny Silver taking on Adam Cole. Following this promo, you had Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, heading down to the commentary area for this next match. As Orange Cassidy took on Miro in the semifinals of the AEW World Championship Tournament. And this matchup, it was back and forth, you know. Orange Cassidy selling the damaged ribs. And they were telling you how you had less than 10 minutes throughout the broadcast. So you knew that this would have to be a quick match. If not, they were risking going to that time limit. But it did not go to the time limit. It did not. Miro said, no, I am going to end this right here, right now. And what he did was he demolished Orange Cassidy. Once Orange Cassidy got... All of his moves in there. Miro started to take him serious. He ended up hitting him with the, Miro. Hitting him with that finishing submission move. He stomped on his back. He locked it in. And Orange Cassidy had no way to escape. He had to tap out. Tap out. He had to tap out. But it didn't end there. After this, Brian Danielson, he hit the ring, he got into the ring, and he stared at Miro. He stared him directly into the eyes, and he was letting him know through that eye gaze that he is ready for him in that next round matchup. He is ready for Miro, and Miro staring back at him 
and then the feed cut. That was it. But overall, it was great. I didn't even mention about the Lucha Bros having to make the save for Cody Rhodes. There's a ton that I left out of this. But that is A-OK. Because the thing that matters most is, of course, the reason why you tuned into this podcast to begin with. And don't worry, you won't be disappointed. You are going to get it. Because... You tuned in to hear Brandon's shoutouts, and now it is time for Brandon's shoutouts. So, Brandon, how about those shoutouts? Hey there, Hiff. We should listen to Brandon's shoutouts. I decided to watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame this past week after not seeing it for probably around 20 years or so. And I really don't remember the soundtrack being as good as it as it is. So the first shout out I'm giving is to the soundtrack of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's very Broadway sounding. I don't know how it didn't actually make it to Broadway when they did the stage version of it. But I would totally have gone to see, like maybe not then, but now I would totally want to see Hunchback of Notre Dame on Broadway. Um, and I also, I watched the sequel It wasn't terrible, but it was really short, and and it didn't seem like it was remastered like the original was, and it probably wasn't. So it's weird to see, like, uh, a movie from 2002 look worse than a movie, worse than a movie from 1996. But that is the first shout-out. Next up goes to Fall Foliage. Now, I think, is the best time for it. And uh, to me, it's just so calming and peaceful to see. And you go to a place that has a lot of it. It's really nice to see and look at. I'm sure all of you know that. And then the last shout out, because WWE is celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Rock this whole month. In honor of that, I'm going to give a shout out to some rock matches that I've seen live. And the first one I'm going to start with is The Rock and John Cena versus Awesome Truth from Survivor Series 2011. I think John Cena and The Rock had such a great build to WrestleMania 28, and this was one of the parts of that storyline. And it was really cool to see The Rock wrestle after a bunch of years of him not wrestling. And uh, it was at Madison Square Garden, so I'm... Um, Instantly a fan of that. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... My... Markout Moment of the Week! That is right, my Markout Moment of the Week. Ringside Collectibles had a virtual Ringside Fest this year again and showed off some brand new Mattel figures. I marked out for Amos because he's one of their biggest figures ever, so it was cool to see that. But I also marked out big time. uh, They showed off a Ringside exclusive Undertaker from 2001 that comes with a WCW Tag Team Championship. You could pull his straps down. It Doesn't look the greatest, but it's still pretty cool that you can do that. And then part two of Ringside Fest, they revealed a mean Mark Callis figure, 
which I think is the coolest figure of all of the ones that they showed off. It's like super niche, but they've already made every version of the Undertaker. So a Mean Mark figure is super cool. And now that Undertaker is like quote unquote retired and he does like interviews and stuff like that's not a kayfabe sort of interview. We could see more figures like that from Undertaker. I don't know how many other ones you would put, but the mean Mark figure is definitely one of them. And maybe we'll see him in 2K22. Probably not, but anything's possible. It hits different, you know. Uh, but I also marked out at the new Sami Zayn figure that they showed off because he comes with a Sami award. And that's one of those like super niche uh, accessories, kind of like the YOLO County Tag Team Championships that they made with Otis and Tucker a few years ago. But the Sammy figure was a gold elite figure that was, or an elite figure that was painted gold, I should say, and propped up on a uh, an award pedestal gimmick. But now there's a tiny version of it in figure form, so it's kind of like figure inception or something like that. They also showed off um, new ultimate figures, one being Hulk Hogan and one being Mr. T, which I, again, at this point, I'll be very surprised if Mr. T doesn't make the cut for 2K22. But the Hulk Hogan I pop for comes with the 1985 version of the WWE Championship. I don't think we've seen that in figure form from Mattel before. And Jack specific might have had one release of it. I'm not 100% sure, but it's still pretty cool to see in figure form. But that is the mark out moment of the week. And that is episode 561. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you could check us out on Twitter at MarkingOut, at BTTG161, also on Instagram, at Chris Sweendog, at DavidPTDPT, also on Instagram. Instagram, Marking Out 11, YouTube, Marking Out 11, Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Buy some pro wrestling shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. We appreciate that. And go to Manscaped.com, use the code REGARDLESS, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. For Dave, we wish you the... the Best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.